With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. True worship. I guess you can't move We talked about the subject of worship. We talked about the subject of praise. If you were here last week, I, I went through the seven different Hebrew words of praise and worship which eventually gets us to the place where we end up getting into what we refer to as His praise. It actually went from Barak, which was our praise, where we're praising Him. We went through six steps. To Number six was Barak. And then we ended up in number seven, Tehillah, which Tehillah was His praise. And that literally is when His presence is made known to you and you begin to see manifestations. So it's not just something that we can talk about where we say, well, God's presence is here, but we begin to see the manifestation of His presence and the manifestation of His glory. Praise God. So Psalms 150, uh, we're going to look through this and read this, but before we do, let's just have a word of prayer and thank God for His word. Father God, we're just grateful to you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can worship you and praise you in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. And Lord, that your word will have free course in the hearts of every individual today. And we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. We praise you with our whole hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So here in Psalms 150, it says, Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Praise God in His sanctuary. Well, that's what we've done today. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him on the, with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with string instruments and organs. Praise God. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Glory to God. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. So... That, that one chapter right there, that's, that's a short chapter, but it sure says a lot. Amen. And uh, there's, there's a lot about, you know, just in that one specific area, the different words that are used. They're not all the same Hebrew word, but I'm not going to go through all that today because I have some more I want to share with you. But it's so important that we understand how powerful praise is. Now, praise and worship are two distinct areas. We've already shared that, that there's a separation between praise and worship. But praise is where everything begins. Amen. Praise is what? That sacrifice that comes from your heart. It says the sacrifice, bring forth the sacrifice of praise. So it's a beginning process. You don't always feel like it. I don't always feel like praising the Lord. You know, when things aren't going my way, I don't feel like praising the Lord. When somebody calls up the pastor and says, Pastor, I'm mad at you. I don't like you anymore. You know, I, I still got to praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I mean, hey, you, you know, you laugh at that, but that happens. Come on now. You know, I get people, you know, just get mad at me for different things, you know, and I say, 
I didn't really do that, did I? You know, and I get before the Lord and, and I say, Lord, I just got to praise you. I don't understand sometimes, you know, what's going on, but I'm going to praise you anyway. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, and a lot of things happen in our lives that we just don't understand. Somebody says something to you. Somebody misreads you. Somebody hears you say something, you know, and they misread what you said, you know, and then all of a sudden they get all strung out over it and then you get hurt. You know, and you get offended sometimes because of it, you know. But you know what? The Bible says, as a believer, you're not to take offense. Amen. So you got to, the best way to cover that up is you just go say, Lord, hallelujah. I'm glad I got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm glad I got you. Praise God. So praising, praise is a seeking process, and worship is, of course, being found by Him. It's the manifestations, as we shared before, where God begins to manifest. Praise is initiated by us. Worship is God's response. God responds. God sees that you're making that sacrifice. God says, wow, that boy's determined, or that girl's determined. They want to hear me. They want, they want to get into my presence. They want to hear my voice. Praise God. So in that determination, God says, okay, I guess this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be blessed, and I'm going to bless them. Praise God. And God begins to bless you. Praise God. So that's the response response from God is, is, is when His praise begins to come and intermingle with our praise. Praise is something we do. Worship is something God releases. Okay? Now these are some, some, some of these are repeat that I shared with you before, but I just wanted you to see that. And then praise is our building a house for God. Worship is God moving in. Amen. So let's look at this whole process of God moving in. I'm going to look at and share with you some examples of God doing something and moving in behalf of the people. I'm going to share Old Testament, then I'm going to share New Testament. I want you to see the parallels. I want you to see how God works in these specific areas. So 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13, it says, And it came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one. Woo! They become, wow, they was one. Hallelujah. Now that oneness has a lot to do with number one, unity, but it also means they were as one in the spirit. Praise God. And they, it says to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, and the italics, King James has saying, italicized. That's because really they weren't saying, they were singing. Okay? It was musical instruments, so of course they were singing. But the words say, the words you sing say something, of course. So that's why King James put that in. But anytime you see an italicized word in the King James, that means it was added just to help make sense of that specific area. For this is what they were this is what they were praising God. This is how they were thanking him. This is how they were singing. They were singing for he is good. And His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Let's say that together. For He is good and His mercy endures forever. Now let's sing that. For He is good 
good and his mercy endures forever. Hey, you did pretty good. You didn't even know what note I was going to next. That's, that's pretty good. See, that's the musicians being as one. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. So you can imagine, you know, they were all excited. They were worshiping God. They were praising with instruments. They were, they were singing, you know, and they were worshiping. And, and, and it says they were as one. Hallelujah. Praise God. And they made one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And, and they, were, they were repeating songs and worshiping and, and, and singing and saying, He is good and His mercy endures forever. Then... What happened? It says, Then the house was filled with a cloud. Amen. And I'm not talking about a lightning cloud. I'm not talking about a little rain cloud. Amen. But it was filled with the cloud of God's glory. Hallelujah. Even the house of the Lord. So something happened and the house was filled with a cloud. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, when a cloud, if you've ever traveled and gone maybe to like, uh, you know, somewhere where the mountains are, you know, you can sit in, some, you know, maybe go on the side of a mountain sometime and it can be clear and then all of a sudden a cloud kind of comes in and you're right in the midst of that cloud and it's like fog setting in, isn't it? I mean, literally, that's what it's like. It's like fog. Well, this is what happened there, but it was more than a physical fog. It was a spiritual atmosphere of God and His manifestation and of His glory that came upon them. But look what happens in verse 14. It says, So when this cloud came in and even came into the house of the Lord, it was so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God so the priests the mature ones <laughs> the ones that have to keep it all together you know they couldn't stand they just would fall down could you imagine just all of a sudden the glory of God just filling the place and they just, boom, they'd fall down. Then they'd say, hey, what happened? I don't know. I'm going to get up again. Boom, they'd fall down. I mean, I, I just, you know, kind of put that through my head like, man, you know, that must have been quite the sight. You know, every, you know, everybody's watching, and then all of a sudden the glory of God comes down and says, even the priests that would try to hold together their, you know, you know, and if you understand, you know, I mean, the priests had, you know, they, they were in charge. They had to make sure everything stayed in order. You know, and all of a sudden the priest would start falling down under the power and the glory of God. Amen. You know, when, when you see the pastor fall down under the power of the glory, you know something's happening. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. If I'm up there one day and you see me fall, you know the glory of God's there. Amen. Praise God. If you're, if you're holding on to your seat in front of you, you know something's happening. Praise God. Well, that's what happened there. Well, you see, we see, we see the same thing, another example, even in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Well, what was that day all about? That was when Jesus said, listen, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you without a comforter. And I'm going to send him to you and here's my instruction to you I just want you to wait until you get endued with the cloud I mean with power amen when that power was the glory of God amen he says you wait until you get 
endued with power from the Most High God. Hallelujah. And so here, look what it says. They were, they, they were together. They, were, they came together. They were, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, I don't know. I can't say that they didn't or they did. I can't say they were praising and worshiping and singing songs, but I know there were times where they, they did, and it said they did. So, you know, I'd like to think maybe they were just having a good time worshiping and praising God and singing some great some great hymns that they knew from the Old Testament, probably singing, you know, His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. And just worshiping the Lord. But it says, and suddenly, didn't say slowly, no. suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. But I want you to see this. It says, and they were all with what? Before that, they were all with what? One accord. Remember, I read to you out of Chronicles, they were all as one. They were one. Now here they were one again. They were all in one accord. That's not a car. <laughs> and they were in one place. Hallelujah. But I like the word suddenly. Lately, the Spirit of God has been quickening me to me and saying, Son, get ready. You know, we sometimes see things happen slowly. But I'm anticipating to see something happen suddenly. Amen. Praise God. Because I believe we serve a God that can suddenly change things. Amen. You know, and so, you know, some of you have been believing God for certain things in your life. And, you know, maybe see a little bit here and a little bit there. You know, a little taste of, oh, well, God blessed me here, but God, I've been believing for something big. Well, God is a suddenly God. Amen. Amen. Yes. And he wants to do something suddenly in your life. Praise God. And that's what it says here. And it says, and so suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Yes. Remember what happens during worship. God manifests his presence, or we could say it this way, God manifests heaven. Amen. Amen. So there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It doesn't say it was a rushing mighty wind, but it says it was like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled... Well, wait a minute. Didn't we just read about that in Chronicles where the glory of the Lord filled the house, where they were filled the place where they were all together that the priest couldn't stand? It says, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. I think they learned a lesson from the priest in the Old Testament and said, we better sit. We don't want to fall down. Amen. I'm just saying that, but you know, it could be true. You know, they, they were prepared for something. And it goes on and says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. I like what I heard Kenneth Copeland say years ago. He says, You know, a lot of people paint little pictures of this and show little tiny cloven tongues of fire over people's head. He says, I don't think it was little tiny cloven tongues of fire over their head. He says, I think it was flames of fire that were bursting through and all around 
around everybody that all you could see was flames everywhere above everybody's heads. It was like a huge fire. And you know, you get a huge fire, you got a lot of tongues coming out. Amen. And that's literally, it's just, it's a, it was a continuous flame that was filled up in the place. So it was the glory of God, but this time it wasn't like a cloud. It was like a fire. It was like a flame. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And it filled, and it filled the place that they were at. Amen. And, and it sat upon each of them. It didn't say each individual little fire sat upon each individual one. It sat upon all of them. So the fire of God sat upon every one of them. And they were sitting, thank God. Because if they weren't, they'd be by now or they'd be fallen. Amen. So they had chairs underneath them, praise God. And it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's, of course, what we refer to as being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's what, you know, people refer to as the Pentecostal experience, the full gospel Pentecostal experience. But that was a, that was a powerful time during that time. Now, I'm just going to kind of share a little bit of some of the things that happened afterwards because it says that people thought they were drunk. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. It says that people looked at them and started mocking and said, oh, they've been drinking early in the morning. <laughs> Peter says, we're not drunk like you think. And then he preached a great message and let them know that it was that which was prophesied in the Old Testament by Joel. And that God said that He will pour out of His Spirit. He will pour out His Spirit in the last days. He says, this is what has been prophesied in the book of Joel. Praise God. Now, I'm sure Peter had to contain himself a little bit because he was under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And he preached a powerful message. As a matter of fact, there was a powerful altar call during that time, and many people got saved even on that, during that period of time. Praise God. And, and so you never know what's going to happen when the power of God hits you. Amen? And the power of God's available to every one of us. Amen? And that's so important that we understand that. Now, I want to share some truths as we sum, come to a summary of this true worship before God. I want to share some truths with you that I believe will help you. Number one, true worship is keeping our minds. See, when you're really in an attitude of worship, it helps you to keep your mind stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ or stayed on Him. Amen? You, you can't help but keeping your mind stayed on the Lord. Here's what happens in our lives on a daily basis in the negative realm. You know, like I said earlier, somebody says something, somebody offends you, somebody, you know, just gets into a disagreement with you. It, it could be a lot of different things. We go through those things, right? Amen. But if you will purpose to keep your mind stayed on Him. See, here's what we do. We get hurt, somebody does something, and we start keeping our mind stayed on that situation and stayed on that person. Years ago, I learned this truth from Bill Gothard. You become like those you focus on. Not me. I'm not going to become like them. You become like those you focus on. You know, and he uses, you know, he uses a, an example 
in, in many examples he uses of real live examples. One would be, you know, a, a bitter teenager that's that's really mad and angry at the parents, and the parents, you know, were you know just just had problems, and their the root problems was anger, and bitterness, and strife. The outward manifestations of that anger and bitterness and strife was that they were abusive towards the teenager. They beat her abusively. You know, took advantage of her and abused her and so forth. And 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 they were they were heavy drinkers and they were alcoholics. Okay? So, you know, in the bitterness of this child focusing on them said, I'm never going to become like them. And she kept focusing, I'm never going to become like them. And the more she focused and, be, and, and did that, eventually she'd get around other people that knew her mom and dad and said, you know, you, you're just like your mom and dad. Or you're just like your dad. And she'd get upset. Don't ever say I'm like my dad. I'm not like them at all. Anger, bitterness, and wrath. Are you with me so far? And so they weren't talking about the outward, you know, drinking or anything like that, but they were talking about what was happening inwardly. This is why it's so important Amen. that we focus and keep our minds stayed on the Lord. This is also why the Bible says that you have to forgive. You know, we all want that mountain moving faith, as it says in the, in the Gospels, you know. What's it say? Whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe what you're, what you're saying will come to pass, you will have what you say. Amen. And I believe that's true. But if you read the next verse, it says, and when you stand praying, forgive. Oh, man. <laughs> Got me there, Lord. I want to move a mountain. But yeah, he says, but yeah, you can move a mountain, but when you stand praying, forgive. <laughs> Whenever you're in on forgiveness, your mind is not stayed on him. Your mind is focused and stayed on an individual. It's focusing on the problem instead of the one that says he will heal you. And this is the one that ultimately said when he was being hung on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How many times can we say that? Somebody says something, somebody hurts you, somebody somebody offends you in some way that you can truly say, you know, they really don't know what they're doing. Amen. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. They don't really realize how they're hurting with their words. They don't know you. So they don't understand what's happening. So what do you do? The Bible says to pray for them. Amen. For blessing to come upon them. Yep. It says when you do that, it's like keeping coals of fire on them. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's part of it. There's more to it to that. that but you, then you look to be a blessing in their life somehow. Well, I can't do that, Pastor. No, you can't. But just like Brother Bill shared before, you can through Christ who has already given you the victory. Amen. Amen. 
There's a lot of things you can't do. You can't win the battle. But in Christ, you've already won. Yeah. How are you with me so far? Amen. So here in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, is a, it's literally the verse that I've been quoting to you from the Old Testament. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Now, if you remember back about three weeks ago, I used the term of worship as a form of trust. Because worship is an acknowledgement that you trust in Him, in the Lord. You can't trust somebody you don't worship. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't trust somebody you don't worship. If you, if you worship somebody, you trust them. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own mind or understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge all of your hurt. No, acknowledge Him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And He will direct your path. So here he says, I'll keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. I mean, so what's he going to do? Keep you in what? Peace. What's the opposite of peace? Strife. Fear. But strife is the, is the actual total opposite side of the coin. Fear goes along with that. It's a whole message in itself. But it's It's true. But look what it says. If you keep your mind stayed on Him, you'll have peace. Thank God. The mind being stayed literally means keeping your mind steadfastly. 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 If you don't do this, the Bible says, it says in the New Testament, you'll be wearied and faint in your minds. And what does that word, the word there literally is the same word as soul. You'll faint in your soul. So don't be weary and faint in your minds. When you start centering in and looking at the natural, you'll start fainting in your minds. Praise God. And in fainting from your, in your minds, okay, the word here also comes from another root word to breathe, where it is fainting in your minds or fainting in your soul. It also means fainting and, and losing breath. Now that breath isn't physical breath. How many of you ever had the wind knocked out of them? <clears throat> it's a scary feeling, isn't it? You know? I remember one day I was, I was a teenager and I was, going, I was walking down the street and some bully decided that he was going to hit me uh, while I wasn't looking. He was coming in a bike and he hit me with the handlebar on the back and totally knocked the wind out of me. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> Are you with me so far? If, you, if you've had that happen, you know that feeling. Like, <clears throat> you're trying to get breath and you can't. Yeah. That's what happens to us when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to rule and we don't acknowledge Him in worship then it knocks 
the breath. Now let me just share, I'm going to emphasize a little bit on this subject of breath. We breathe in the spiritual realm. We understand the physical breathing process. But in the spiritual realm, we breathe through our soul. <clears throat> my soul is my personality, right? That's who makes me who I am. I'm different than you. You're different than me. Okay? It's a fingerprint. Your soul is an individual fingerprint of your personality. Praise God. Your personality, though, God wants to enhance your personality with His breath. When I am being used of God and God is breathing through me, He's emphasizing His character through my character. Praise God. That's the breath of God working through me. Praise God. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm a kind of a person, which I am, that has a sense of humor, God uses my humor. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so God wants to use us in this process of, of life. And we talk about the word life because the word life has to do with breath. In Him we live and move and have our being. And the being has to do with the breath of life working through you. Praise God. So, we breathe through our, our soul, thus we express His life, Zoe life. So we got, we got two kinds of life working in us, right? There's the life of the soul, which is suke, and there's the life of the spirit, which is Zoe. Are, do you get what I'm saying? The Zoe life is in my spirit. Yeah. The suke life is in my soul. Now, a lot of times people misunderstand when I talk about the soul and they think, oh, well, the soul just needs to stay dead. No, the soul just needs to be put in its place. It doesn't have to stay dead. It just needs to be put in its place. It needs to be put in the place so that I can align it properly and use the abilities and the talents that God put inside of my personality because like I said before, I'm different than you. Look at the person next to you say, you're different than me. Now don't, some of you looked really strange at your partner when you said that. <laughs> you're really weird. You're different than me. <laughs> but how many know that's true? The person next to you is different. Amen. But you know what? We love them the way they are. Right? And God enhances our character, our character when we are truly allowing His breath to breathe through our soul. But there's a hindrance in that breath and we get the breath knocked out of us when we allow bitterness, envy, and strife to work in us. So here, we need to express His life through our soul, not in it. Okay? The power is in the Holy of Holies, but it must pass through the holy place to be manifest in the outer courts. Let me just emphasize what I mean by that saying. So here we have, of course, the Holy of Holies is your inner being. That part of you that has been born again, God looks at that as the Holy of Holies. Did you know that? Why? Because that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And guess what? When He enters in, He enters into the holiest place He can enter. So He cleans it out and then He comes in. So that's where you became a new creation. You came into your spirit, and He lives in that Holy of Holies. Now, also the soul, though, God wants to be a holy place. The soul is not the Holy of Holies, but the soul 
is the expression of what happens in the Holy of Holies. Are you getting what I'm saying here? The soul gives expression to what happens in the Holy of Holies. See, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, they had to come out through the holy place. The holy place is symbolic of the soul. And eventually they would share with people on the outer courts what was happening and what God may have spoken to them in the Holy of Holies. Some would anticipate, you know, because, you know, this, this only happened at certain times of the year. Some were, you know, we, they wanted to hear what God was saying to the high priest when he, you know, did God say anything to you when you were in the Holy of Holies? I don't know about you, but, you know, if I was around back then, I would want to know. Amen. I'd get up to that priest. What happened in there? <laughs> that's where God is, you know. And that's Old Testament, of course. But, you know, if I was back in that time, I'd want to know. I want to get close to one of those priests, to one of those high priests. Say, what happened in there? Did God say anything? Did you see any fire? Did you see any lightning? You know, I, I, do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. He had to experience something. He was in the Holy of Holies. And he came out alive. I mean, they had backup just in case. They didn't come out alive. There was something wrong with their lives. They wouldn't come out alive. Are you with me so far? Drag them out with a rope. Serious. They had backup. But see, now in our lives, we have even something. The Bible says we have better promises under the new covenant. And that God has given us this great and wonderful covenant, a better covenant with better promises. It's a new and living way. It's a new and living covenant. It's not a dead covenant. Amen. And he wants to express it through your being. So with true worship... We understand this one thing. John quoted this in the, in the, in the uh, New Testament. He says, I must decrease and he must increase. Everybody say, I must decrease, I must decrease. and he must increase. Must increase. So it's not that your soul is dying, but your soul just decreases. So that his personality and his spirit and his anointing can increase through you. Hallelujah. So it's the increase in the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we can turn that heat off now. I've seen a lot of people sitting there. I think I'm going to faint pretty soon here. It's that fire I've been preaching on. Amen. So, so when we understand how this true worship comes about in our lives, we understand increase and decrease. Now let me just emphasize some of that. When the worth of the word has free course. Your problems that are part of you decrease. And His Word in your vessel will increase and take over. Kind of like when Jesus was in the vessel in the ship. He's the Word. Amen? He's the Word. The Word's always with you. Amen? Sometimes you just got to wake up the Word. 
Now there was there was a physical way that the disciples waked up the word, but they could have woke up the word by just saying, "Wait a minute, we don't need to wake Jesus up. He promised we'd get to the other side." Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's truly waking up the word. We do physical things to try to make something happen in our life, but there's different ways that we wake up the word. We wake up the see the word sometimes can be void with the people. That's what it says in Psalms 119. Well, how is the word void with me? Sometimes it just sits there and sits there and sits there and doesn't do anything. Oh yeah, I know the Bible. I quote all lots of Bible scriptures to you. My preachers quotes them all the time. I've got them written down right now. Let me get my notes. <laughs> well, you might have a couple verses down. That's all right. you know. But here's the key. It's that which comes alive and that which is spoken and released from your inner being. Right there is what we're talking about. When the value or the worth of the word has free course. There's no damning. No blockage. See, I could quote a lot of scriptures in the New Testament where the disciples anticipated that the word would have free course. Are you with me so far? So that the word would flow freely through them. As a matter of fact, Paul, in one specific area, he said, pray for me. Pray for who? Pray for me. Because I'm going somewhere and I want the word and I want the message to be received properly. But I'm the vessel. Amen. He didn't say, and, and this might blow some of your religious minds away, you know, but we, we, we break the spirit of a religious mind. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, we would think, you know, well, Paul, you're going, you're going to go to such and such a city. We're going we're gonna to pray over that city. But he didn't say pray for the city. He said pray for me. And it kind of blows me away when I read that. I say, wait a minute, no, because, you know, a lot of times we as a church think we got to pray for the city, and yet Paul says, pray for me. Why? That the doors of utterance would be open. In other words, I'm looking for a free course. I'm, I don't want hindrance, and I'm looking for the opportunity. Even Jesus needed free course or opportunity and a he needed somebody that was able to receive and he couldn't preach to his own people he couldn't go to his own his own received him not the bible says why there was not free course there was a hindrance because of a natural thing well we know him he's the carpenter you know no, he's, yeah, I know that guy. I went to high school with him. You know what I mean? I know that person. You know, yeah, I know them from, you know, but yeah, they don't really know you by the Spirit. So there's going to people, going to be people that are going to hold your past against you and they're going to just know you based on your past. It's like the disciples. I really like this one here. And i got to hurry up and, and, and finish this message here. But it's like the disciples. You know, they, they, you know, Paul was very learned. He was very educated. But the rest of the disciples, you know, 
based on what we would use in education, they didn't have a high school education. They were unlearned men. That's what it says in the New Testament. Unlearned. Are you with me? Unlearned is pretty bad. You know, unlearned. And so they, they noticed some of these people that were coming and seeing the power of the Holy Spirit. They, they picked up the fact that they knew that they were just fishermen and they came from a lot of poor areas, and they discerned, it says, and they discerned that they were unlearned men, but they also said that they discerned this. Listen, this is the key. That they were, that they spent time with Jesus, that they have been with Jesus, that they have been with Jesus, that they have been with Jesus. Doesn't matter how much education you have. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. What makes a difference is how much Jesus. time you spend oh, in worship with Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Glory! Hallelujah. I know my brother loves to spend time with Jesus. That's why Amen. I went up to him. How much time that we spend in the presence of God. So when the worth of the word has free course, your problems that are part of you decrease and his word in your vessel will increase and take over. Praise God. That's what the Bible refers to as a face-to-face -face experience. Look at Genesis 32.30. I'm just reading one verse here. I'm bringing this to a close. 32.30. It says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For he said, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. I've seen God face to face. I mean, this, this is Jacob, man. I mean, we know some of the story here. He wrestled with God. Amen. He wrestled with God. <laughs> I say that, and I know there's some of you wrestling with God. <laughs> Where do we wrestle with God? Right up here, man. Remember? The education part. <laughs> That's just not an educated thing. That just don't make sense. Well, welcome to God. Welcome to the kingdom of heaven. Let's see, five loaves, two fish equals 15,000 or more people fed. <laughs> Tilt! Don't make sense! Come on! Don't make sense. Let's see, water, storm, waves... People die. No one makes it out in the size of boat we're in. The word comes out of the vessel. The word comes out. Jesus was woke up, came out of the vessel and rebuked the waves. And rebuked the storm. And what did he say? He said, peace be still. A calm comes over. Tilt brain says, huh? How does this happen? Impossible. No. With God, all things are possible. 
See, that's when a true graft begins to take place, when you enter into true worship with God. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. See, there's times where I just know in part, but man, there's times where I get revelation. And then shall I know even as I, am, I also am known. I've got to share with you out of 2 Corinthians 4, 6. This is my closing statement. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give, which means to manifest, to give the light of the knowledge of, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is a face-to-face -face relationship. Remember, I read about Jacob. What did he say? Now I've seen him face-to-face. -face. Worship. Not just praise, but when you get into the place where you get into worship, that's a face-to-face -face experience. Amen? And that's where you have God causing the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to come to you in His face. That's a face-to-face -face experience. That's a glory-to-glory -glory experience. This is what happens, see, when you get into His face. His face is what? It's countenance, it's character, it's ability. Everything, remember I've shared this definition with you. Face is defined as the character. When the Bible says to seek His face, it literally means to get a reflection of everything that He is. Remember, you become like who you focus on. Learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. Learn of me. In other words, get into my face. Focus on me and stop focusing on everything else. And stop focusing on the news media. Stop focusing on the world. Stop focusing on that person that hurts you. Stop focusing on bitterness and strife and all those other things. And focus on me because the scripture says in Psalms, I will praise him. I will praise him. Soul, don't get discouraged. Don't get disquieted in, 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 inside of me. For I will praise him. For he is the health of my what? Amen. Of my countenance. What is your countenance? Your countenance is your face. Your countenance is your face. Is your face... See, if you remember... And I gotta, I gotta share this one thing in, in closing. Uh, you know, we we can see in in examples in the scripture where people had their character has fallen. It re literally refers to as their face was fallen, which literally meant that they stopped focusing on God and they started focusing on circumstances. That's when your countenance fails. That's when your face falls. A fallen face. Let's keep our face. Let's keep our minds. It's because minds and face are synonymous. Stayed on Him. Because He is the strength of your countenance. He is the health of your character. And when the health of your countenance is taken on the fruit of the Spirit, that's when 
the face of the soul has taken on the face of heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a face-to-face -face experience. When the face of the soul takes on the face of heaven. Hallelujah. Are you blessed today? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's thank God for His glory right now working in our lives. Lord Jesus, just begin to just open your heart to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, we just thank You. We praise You, Lord, for Your goodness and for Your mercy. We thank You, Lord Jesus, that Your Spirit and Your anointing is flowing in this house today. That You're doing a powerful work by Your Spirit. And Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by Your Spirit. And I lay my face before You. And I seek Your face. I seek Your face in, in, in place of of what I've seen and what I've heard and in the despair of my mind, my will and emotions, I put my face before you and I give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.